grade. <laughs> Let's get Misha Popoff on in the room. See how we're doing. See how we're doing. For an episode of Call Me Ignorant. See how it's going. Hello, hello. Hear me. Click join audio. Audio? Yes. There. Hello, Misha Popoff in the house. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey, doing good, Steven. Good to hey, be here. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, you know, you were on the show about what was it a year and a half ago or something like that, and it was you know it was an awesome conversation. I listened to our our chat as well as the one that you did with uh, I don't know who that was, but you broke down the lyrics of Bohemian Rhapsody. But yeah, really uh, happy to have you on. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, yeah, good to be here. And yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, I don't want to, but basically, uh, I, I'll go to my grave swearing that. Um, um, that uh, the singer from Queen, well, what's his name again? That he yeah. he he didn't want to die the way he did. Mm. Uh, let's blame Fauci for it. Uh, he, he Freddie Mercury, sorry, that's his yeah. name. But yeah, he took AZT, um, and that's that's what killed him in the wow. end. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. I mean, we want to talk about that today, and also if we have time, the you mentioned the the Monsanto or Roundup lawsuits. But what what's yeah. la- last year and a half? What, what's been like? I mean, we COVID obviously wasn't a thing i mean i kind of still don't think it's a thing but i don't know what your take is on that but what's the last you know couple years been like for you well you're you're right covid isn't a thing it's a huge scam i mean they they did something to monkey with the the common cold i think it's basically your nasal passage and your lungs don't produce mucus so you can't expunge the the disease out of you uh but the the real disease is, is of course the vaccine so uh we're we're not getting it a lot of people are caving in it's really sad yeah. caving in and now caving in with their kids when the when the parents caved in six months eight months ago they they were saying things like like we live in a rural area they're saying things like well we want to go to ag shows you can go to all the ag shows and gun shows here in texas but if you want to go to an ag show yeah i don't know up in colorado which is pretty crazy <laughs> um yeah you got to be vaxxed or you can't wow. bring your animals in to show them so so the parents got vaxxed um and that was one thing but now they went ahead i guess that brainwashed them and, and now they're getting their kids vaxxed it's just crazy right. i mean it's and it's a lot of it's for entertainment and comfort purposes that's very troubling i guess and that would be it's also kind of biblical you know like people just choosing choosing the material over sacrificing the material is very, you know, that's, that's, we're told that's going to happen. That's happened forever. And so that's, that's how I see it. It's like a restaurant or a, I mean, I, I don't think I can fly ever again, really. I might, I think I'm on some sort of list where you can't, where you can't fly. Uh, I'm, I'll drive wherever, but you know, that's fine. I'm not, I don't even want to wear a mask. Do you, do you fly? Do you leave your house? You're, I've moved to the country too. Do you just kind of stay in the country and be peaceful like me? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you mentioned the Bible. What, what did Jesus say? He said, get out of the city. That's I've been saying that for a long time, but now, especially so Mm. yeah, they, they just can't get you out here. I mean, let's, let's say all the crazy theories about, um, you know, them spraying particles in the earth's atmosphere and 5g. I think there's a lot of truth to that, but it doesn't pay for them to do it out here where we're on like a, basically an acreage and the houses are like, few hundred yards apart it doesn't pay if you want to aim a, like, like they did and people forget this it was 1991 the first gulf war uh they used uh what was called uh, uh voice to skull technology to tell uh saddam hussein's soldiers that saddam wanted them that that, that uh, allah wanted them to surrender so we were told on the news oh they yeah saddam hussein he didn't even give them water you know they're out there in the de- desert uh, you know, protecting against the American tanks and 
Saddam didn't even give them food and water. Give me a break. He probably loaded up those bunkers with whatever they wanted. Uh, I've but never they used heard voice about this. I've yeah, never they heard used voice this. to skull to tell to to make them think Allah was telling. So they all you saw those pictures on CNN. They were coming out crying. Uh, and yeah, that they were doing that. That's 30 years yeah. ago, Stephen. So, so yeah, now, now come to the present with 5G, 6G, 7G. Um, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't pay to do that out here. I, I hope you live uh, in a less yeah. dense area. It, you want to do it in a dense area. Same as setting off a, a, a nuclear bomb or, or a biological weapon. It, it yeah. doesn't pay to do it if you're out in a, a less dense area. Right. That's true. And also I, I I'll say that I've, I've said that made the same argument about the, they're coming for your guns people. Now I like guns. I believe in the second amendment. I I think that the second amendment even doesn't go far enough at times of being like clear about the language, but like they can't come into the good old boys country and take the guns. I mean, if they did, it would take an army, like millions of people. It would be like what they compare to J Japan. Like the reason we dropped the nukes was because if you invade Japan, there's just, it would be just, you can't go into the country. I don't think it's not, it, they, I don't, what do you think about chemtrails? Do you think that you, you kind of mentioned, like, what yeah. do you think, do you think they have the means to do that? In the, and how much effect does that, do you think that has out in the country? Well, there again, let's go back to uh, history. It was the 1960s that the CIA started using chemtrails in Vietnam. This is all online. It's on Wikipedia even. I mean, you don't even have to check Snopes to make sure it's not fake. By the way, <laughs> and, isn't it, wasn't it yeah. Monsanto that had a, a role in that? Like, is, is, yeah, Am I right well, that Bayer, Mons yeah. Monsanto, and Roundup are kind of a, a, like yeah. the same company? Yeah, but that was for defoliation, mm. which was another tactic. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's funny. You, you think of war as shooting and bombs, yeah. but no, we were spraying the jungle, and that's what that is. But no, they, they were using chemtrails to seed clouds. Seeding clouds goes back to the 1920s and 30s. Um, but anyway, there they were in Vietnam before you and I were born, and to this day, they, they brag they had an 80% success rate. And what they were doing then, Stephen, was making it rain on the Ho Chi Minh Trail because you couldn't bomb the Ho Chi Minh Trail. It was a network of pathways and, and little roads. And that was how the Viet Cong were being supplied from China down through the, well, you like, it's not like a, a super highway or, you know, the I-35 that you can just bomb. So yeah, they, they decided they, they did a combination of making it rain and they had 80% success. Then they got into what you mentioned, defoliation. And yeah, there's, there's still guys walking around who can't have kids, uh, Vietnam veterans, because what was Agent Orange is basically now 2,4-D. It's not, it's not Roundup, which has its own problems. It's actually 2,4-D, which is probably the second most common herbicide used on in modern agriculture. Is age, they still sell Agent Orange? Like that is what that is? That's yeah, 240 but they, is, is Agent Orange? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. And then they went, after the war, it went 25D, and then they went 240. <laughs> that's that's wow. basically all I know about. They they, they, they do that. They, they take they nerve it. agents yeah. and then dilute them. And yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, and it's the same thing with Roundup. So there you are. You have some petunias, and you don't like the weeds, so you go buy a home and garden uh, weed killer. Meanwhile, there's a farmer with a thousand acres of soybeans that are worth a half a million dollars and he's desiccating them. He's forced, right? He's not killing weeds. He's killing the crop so that it all ripens up and is nice and dry for harvest. Um, you're using the same product. The only difference is the concentration. That's the only, so same with 
when, when they went from Agent Orange to 25D to 24D, that's 24D still in use. It's just a different concentration. It's the same same garbage. Okay. Well, I mean, and so I actually plan to talk about this like later in the interview. But what is the you know? Uh, so are you, are you an an out agricultural journalist? It says this on a couple websites. Is that uh, what your main profession is, or you know, like, and are you reporting specifically on the cancer uh, lawsuits that are happening right now? Uh, yeah, I, I was quite a bit. Now backing up. Gosh, we're always going backwards here. Yeah, it's great. 19, we love it. Yeah, 1997, I became a USDA organic farm inspector. Then I right. uh, graduated upwards through the ranks over five years, became a process inspector, and then a, a senior inspector. I apprenticed other inspectors, and, and it was on the, the board of directors of the uh, Independent Organic Inspectors Association. Uh, it was a great group back then. Now they changed the word independent. The letter I is now the international organic mm, inspectors uh-huh. association and and that was around 2003 so still a long time ago I, I left that and got into what you're talking about public speaking um journalism i wrote a self-published book and uh ended up doing uh, a lot of public speaking at ag shows uh organic and conventional ag shows i'll talk to anyone sometimes sometimes uh people on the organic side they'll say hey you, you spoke at the Washington state ag show. There's a lot of, you know, chemical companies that sponsor that. I, said, I, I don't care. I'll t- I just want to talk to yeah, farmers. Right. And so I did that for about 10 years and yeah, my sort of a, a crowning achievement, I guess I'm a, I'm a policy advisor at the Heartland Institute, which is mainly, they're mainly focused on energy issues, but it was, yeah, it was about 10 years ago. I convinced them. I said, farming is all about energy. Like, like, do you know who Michael Pollan is? From yeah, the sure. New- yeah, I've seen yeah, him. Yeah. Speak, I mean, I've, I've heard his talks online, yeah. Yeah, he's a decent uh, guy mm-hmm. uh, and very much pro-organic. As I'm, I get accused of being anti-organic, which isn't true. But um, yeah, so he points out that uh, before World War II, it took, uh, let's just use visual, it took this much energy, well, took this much energy to give us this much food. Mm. Now we're using this much energy to give us the same amount of food. What he's leaving out, Stephen, is the man and the horse. Okay. So yeah, in the 1930s, not a lot of farmers had tractors. Mm. Uh, you know, they, they would use coal oil, which is an early form of diesel. Um, yeah. And it was, it was very primitive. So of course that the energy you could easily measure now in hindsight, like if you went and looked at how much fuel was being purchased. Yeah. But let's just put it this way. Half of all arable farmland in America used to be devoted to horse feed. That was the fuel. And that's left out of that equation. So oh, is it the is. Man. They leave that out. They leave. Cause yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, look, I mean, calories essentially power everything. I mean, because there's yeah. someone's work, whether it's a horse or a man or a something that makes something turn, it's, it's just, you know, a, an energy, a way to measure energy. And yeah. So they leave that horse feed out of the, when they do that equation. And now, totally. wow. And, and the land, and the land. Like, that's mm. land that wasn't growing food for humans. So, so sorry, mm. but that, that got me on with Heartland Institute. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, they're, they're all about global warming, and uh, they oh. probably get money They probably get money from Exxon. And, I, again, I, I don't care as long as I'm saying what I want to say, like, right. like, like I'm doing And now. you've yeah. never been censored. Like, did they ever say – did they ever tell you you couldn't say a certain thing or – Oh, but, you know, yeah. Yeah? Well okay. – so there I was on the board of directors of the Independent Organic Inspectors Association. 
Um, and I was writing for the inspector's report. I, I would write every couple months, um, get an article in there. And yeah, to make a long story short, um, they wouldn't suddenly in 2003, they wouldn't renew my membership. And if, and if you're not a member of IOIA, you can't go and do inspections under the USDA. The USDA only recognizes the formerly independent Organic Inspectors Association as the only training body. The only other way to become an organic inspector is to go get a degree in agriculture. Well, I already have a degree in history. I, I, I never want to go back to school and I wasn't about to do that. So I just quit. I, I stopped inspecting farms and got into uh, commentary and public speaking and journalism. Cool. Yeah. But that's, that was my first taste of censorship. Um, I, I'll never forget that. I, I sent in, you know, 75 bucks. I sent it in. I'm waiting. I had done that every year for the last six or seven years. And all of a sudden they wrote back, you know, one of those letters, uh, we regret yeah. to inform you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, <laughs> I hate, I've gotten a lot of those letters now in the last year. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, yeah. not at big institutions, but yeah, I got fired and like, we regret to inform you that you're like, yep, I know what this says, but yeah, it's, uh, it's gotten crazy. The censorship. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, Tate, but you, but you, you, from what I remember two years, even two years ago, you were off social media and you, you like talking in the YouTube comment section and that's like it, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I got, see, a, a few other things happened that were really pre-YouTube, pre-Facebook. Mm. See, I, I'm an old guy. Look at my beard. Uh, <laughs> so I got censored in 03. Okay. Like, goodness, Stephen, there's people out there who weren't even born yet. And they're they're running successful YouTube channels. And God bless them for doing it. But, um, yeah, my censorship really stung me. And it all occurred. Oh, oh then I had, I was doing public speaking engagements. And there's an outfit out of, uh, I think they're out of Chicago, called the Cornucopia Institute, funded by George Soros. And when, when you're hired to do like a, a keynote speaker at a AGM, an annual general meeting for farmers and ag people, they'll advertise it usually six months in advance. And they'll say, keynote speaker, Misha Popoff. Well, the Cornucopia Institute would phone them up and badger them. And I started losing engagements. Now, the way I found out is a lot of people hung up on them and then phoned me right away and said, you know, these guys are trying to trash you. And I thought of taking legal action, but it, that's, um, it's difficult. Yeah. You, you only make four or $5,000 for a speaking engagement. Hmm. So I spoke to a lawyer. He said, you know, even if you had 10 of them, it's going to cost you 40 grand to go to court. And all you're going to get is maybe 50 because you have to prove the loss of income, right? You, you can't just say, oh, I might have done, you know, a right. hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's the Cornucopia Institute. Uh, the, the guy was named Mark Castell and I did get to debate him on, um, on, on a food show out of California by Michael Olson. I hope you don't mind me mentioning sort of your competition. Michael Olson does a great show. I still listen called food chain radio. And Stephen, he was the only guy, goodness, we're, we're still like 10 years ago. So we're still in ancient history of, of me getting stung with censorship, as, right. as you mentioned. Um, yeah, he was the only guy who would put us both on. And yeah, it was a fair debate. I think I, I cleaned his clock because <laughs> my, my position was um, we should be testing organic farms instead of getting farmers to fill out you know, paperwork and paying thousands of dollars to audit that paperwork. Mm. That was the gist of it. And uh, yeah, long story short, uh, back then, organic farmers had a domestic farmers had a majority share of the market. Like if you go to Whole Foods, uh, most of that 
organic food was domestic. Now they're down, Stephen, organic farmers in America and Canada are down to 20%. Dang. 20%. Domestic? Yeah. So, they, so it's it's all imported. I mean, like all 80% imported. Are impo- is yeah. imported. Yeah. yeah. And, and, wow. when, and when you get organic milk, you might think, well, that's got to be domestic because the, the cow is here. You know, they got these organic dairy farms. They're 10,000 head of cows. Um, all of the feed, not 80 per- all of the feed is coming from overseas. They're importing animal feed. So well, okay, same so for poultry. Here, here's the question. Okay, so you, you're in favor of organic food. You think people should? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. And yeah. you're in favor of America, right? In, in, in oh, favor yeah. of the country you live in. At this point, what do you think would be a better, you know, better thing to do? Everyone eat organic and import import it, or no one eat organic and grow it here. Yeah, it's um, it's a, a it's like I'm being stretched in both directions because yep. yep. you're you're damned either way. Right. And by the way, these these foreign suppliers, they don't fill out paperwork like they make the American guys do because they're big corporations. If they fill out paperwork, it's for a whole shipment of food, whereas a farmer's doing that for one truckload. Anyway, anyway. Yep. yeah. So buy from a farmer. Just buy if you're Just if you're buy buying from, at a buy local, buy from a farmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and go to a farmer's market, but yep. even that can be dicey. You, that's the farmer's market is where you meet the farmer. Uh, and then yeah. you go, you know, you say, Hey, you get a yeah. relationship. Yeah. You go, yeah. Hey, yep. yep. And, and everyone, when they go to a farmer's market, they buy leafy greens and cucumbers. Okay. That that's fine. Uh, read the Bible though. Uh, what is, what is the promise of the promised land? First of all, when the Israelites are in the desert, remember they're griping, they're, they're mad at me. Why yeah, did you take us yeah, away? Sure. And what do they say? We had cucumbers, leeks and garlic in Egypt. But you can't live on cute that's garbage so what does god give them he gives them manna which is basically uh bread from heaven and quail which is meat then when they get to the promised land they're promised milk and honey we all know that right milk and honey the land of milk and honey and barley and oats and wheat these are the staples mm. and we're not even supposed to eat much of those a lot of that is feed for the animals because the israelites were herdsmen so you, 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 you take uh, an animal that's living in a pasture, you know, you have a shepherd, whether it's a sheep or a goat or, or a cow, and then you finish it with grain. They, they live 80% of their life on grass and you finish it. This is all in, in the Bible. And, and yeah, we, we've kind of uh, gotten away from all that, but yeah. So go to the farmer's market and yeah, buy your garlic and your cucumbers. Cause it's probably better garlic and cucumbers than you get at the store. Uh, but you, what you want to find, Stephen, is a farmer growing your staple crops. So you get your own little flour grinder mm. and your own little bread maker. You know, they're like 30 bucks at Walmart and you make your own bread and you mix your own recipe. Uh, you, you need wheat, but wheat is the worst of all the grains, but you need it or you won't get a loaf of bread. And then you put in healthy things like flax. Uh, rye, rye is very important, but if, if you go much over 20% rye, the loaf falls apart. Anyway, anyway, go to the farmer's market and that's what you're looking for. Also, maybe the farmer's market is where you'll find meat, like mm. act- a farmer who will do on-farm butchering if that's yeah. allowed in your state. Yeah. yeah. Don't waste your time with the leafy greens. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, these I've heard since I was, you know, you, you eat some lettuce and what is that even like, it doesn't, 
it, it it's nothing, right? Yeah, it's just like a yeah. it's like a an under you know under bed for either potentially healthy or unhealthy stuff that you could put on top yeah. of it, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. It's wow. it's it holds the dressing, yeah. and most dressing <laughs> yeah. most dressings are made with canola oil. Now we use canola oil the in seed our seed oil cook. stuff is crazy. It's in everything, right? In the deep yeah. fry, right? That's what you're about to say. Yeah, well, and we do. You, we have a home deep fryer, but we don't. We don't eat any canola oil at all. Mm. It's it's the worst. You want to use like an olive oil, mm-hmm. peanut oil, and and you go look at the price and goodness, like peanut oil is like four or five times as much, but it, it's worth it. Yeah, they, <laughs> they they I I watched a video. I'm going to show it to my fans eventually, and it's just how they make canola oil, and they 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 use this bleach type solvent on it that um i don't know i mean i don't know i'm not a science guy i'm not like a but it just seems like if you're cutting it with a, a, a bleach type solvent it can't be good have you heard about that um yeah so so canola oil used to be rapeseed and it was only had industrial uses and it really took off for the war world mm. war 2 a horrible war. We shouldn't have fought in that war, Agreed. but it, it took nice. off because it was uh, industrial lubricant along with flax oil and hemp oil. Certain parts on certain machinery needed a certain type of oil. They can now synthesize any oil you need, uh, it, you know, uh, in a lab. But in those days, they, they had to find them in nature in the 40s and 50s. And yeah, that's how rapeseed became. It's common. literally called rape, rapeseed. Yeah. Yeah. It was called no rapeseed. Wow. And it was bitter. It was wow. a very bitter industrial oil, and, but it grows so prolifically that, yeah, in Canada, they invested a bunch of public money into making it more palatable. And yeah, then even though it's more palatable now, um, yeah, the, the, the process of making it is still, still very questionable. What they'll tell you is all of those, uh, whatever they are, acids, they're all gone in the final product. So say, it's the same thing with uh, sugar beets. See, sugar beets took off in the 30s because we don't want, didn't want to, you know, it was risky getting our sugar from the Caribbean mm. and South Central America. So they, they, they put a bunch of money into improving sugar beets. Well, if, if you think the way they make canola oil is kind of chemically based and toxic, yeah, the way they make sugar beets into white sugar is just, it's amazing how much crap goes in. Again, they, though they guarantee it's none of that's in the final product. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I mean, so I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, this is your, the craft that you do and you speak on this, you write on this and you got a lot of good knowledge as far as just, I guess it's chemistry, right? It's, it's chemistry combined with the physical world is, is that's what you can like, I don't know. Do you take supplements at all? Like, like I, you sound like a pretty healthy guy. Like, do you supplement? Like, what's your diet? Like, like, what do you, what's your health thing all about? Yeah. Uh, with COVID, uh, my wife and I've been taking, um, so you, you got your, uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And when you feel sick, you got to, you got to take a lot of that, just like you should take a lot of vitamin C, vitamin D. Mm. But yeah, we're, to answer your question, we're, we're taking a weekly supplement. I'm on like a half a tablet of ivermectin oh, every yeah. week, just wow. once a week. That's, that's how you maintain. Uh, I got sick about uh, six months ago. I was just wiped out. Yeah, I guess it was COVID. That's what they call it. But it was just a really bad flu. And uh, we had just ordered hydroxychloroquine. And it was backordered and we were waiting, waiting. I, I was sick for three weeks, could barely move around. When the hydroxychloroquine arrived, I took one tablet and in one hour I was, I was still dead sick, but I was, that's the first time that I felt 
on the road to recovery. So yeah, we're, we're those things. We didn't even know about those things, Stephen, did we? Those were like third world things, you know, they're anti parasitical uh, drugs invented in the sixties. Um, I think hydroxychloroquine has been around longer than ivermectin, uh, but whatever it is, uh, yeah, we're, we're taking those on a very low maintenance level and then vitamin D vitamin C. Wow. And then the other one is, uh, what's that black cumin black. We're taking black cumin too. Uh, and it's an oil and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it keeps you healthy. Wow. And, that's yeah. I mean, know. I like, I got a couple, couple friends in the, in the chat that we know each other like, in real life now are really up on the health supplement thing, but there's not too many of them. It's kind of just a simple five or six things, but I'd never heard of taking ivermectin or uh, do you, do you say hydroxychloroquine also for maintenance or just ivermectin? Uh, no, no, both. Both. And, okay. Wow. I've never yeah. heard of that for, for yeah. preventative maintenance. Wow. Yeah, in fact, I'll, I'll throw another name out um, that's pretty, uh, Dr. Jennifer Daniels. Uh, see, you know what? See, I I know you're a good guy because you got booted off YouTube, right? Just like. Yeah, my <laughs> main got... channel did. We're, we're on YouTube yeah. on my second channel, but we have four oh, yeah, channels yeah. here now. So I'm they're, they're not getting rid of me, but they're trying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a badge of honor. I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah. And well, Dr. Jennifer Daniels, she's down in Panama now. Because 20 years ago, she basically got chased out of America. She had a lot of patients. She was helping them. Um, and, but she wasn't following the guidelines, you know. So she's down in Panama. And uh, so, yeah, Dr. Jennifer Daniels is where you can find out more. She has a website. And uh, it's funny. I don't know how she makes money. She sells tablets that help you be more regular. I don't take those. Uh, but I know some people who are. And it's, they're like dirt cheap. It's wow. not like, you know, Alex Jones. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you want to be a man. And then Super male like, vitality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like 50 bucks, but it's on sale for 39 95. <laughs> well, Dr. Jennifer Daniels. I'll, that's the last time I'll say her name. She, I don't know how she makes money. Maybe she has so many customers that she can make money by just charging a little for her. And, and then other than that, she just gives advice and it's, it's sort of yeah. basically free. Yeah. Right. So, so that's what you want to, that's what you want to look into. Don't take my advice on any yeah. of this. We're yeah. not health experts. Yeah. I mean, you, you yeah. have to say for, for legal reasons, like not legal advice, not financial advice, but yeah, I mean, what, so what's the, the, the Monsanto roundup can't, I mean, I, I think we talked about this last time you were on, but I, yeah. there's been some developments. What, what, what's this, if you want to maybe sum up what the, tr what yeah. the lawsuit's about and what are the developments that have happened? Well, when we talked, there was basically no COVID going on now with COVID that's being used by, uh, by big corporations to make money hand over fist. So right. like a meat processor will shut down. Well, because of COVID, Stephen, they, 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 they can't keep, you know, they furlough their workforce. The government pays their workforce. They shut down the plant so they're not burning electricity. And then the ranchers are stuck with animals that they have to keep feeding. Um, so finally, when they reopen, they, they pay the rancher half price because he's desperate. You know, the, the rancher is actually phoning the processor saying, when are you going to reopen? And you know, they kind of show their hand. They're, they're desperate. Uh, sometimes actually, Stephen, the government will pay farmers to destroy their livestock wow. because it, they've, they've gone beyond market weight. A lot of animals, especially poultry, chickens, they stop walking. They become too big. They, they've been overbred. If they don't go to market within a week or two of their, their deadline, they're, they just die. Mm. They stop walking. Their, their feathers get all filled with poop. It's disgusting. So yeah, they, they, they destroy them. You got farmers dumping milk 
again, the government pays them to dump it. But, but there we have the processors in between. They, when they finally reopen, they pay the rancher or, or the chicken farmer. They pay them, you know, 50 cents on the dollar. And then they charge you and me a buck 50 on the dollar because there's a shortage of meat. Well, the same thing to answer your question is going on with bare crop science and a number of other ag chemical companies and ag giants like Cargill and, and Purdue Farms. That's the poultry people. Yeah. But sticking with bear, yeah, when we spoke, they had, it was about a year before that, they had bought Monsanto. They paid $66 billion for Monsanto. And a lot of people said, oh, they got a pig in the poke. Worst, worst business decision ever. And I said, no way, like $66 billion. The, the global roundup market is worth a third of a trillion dollars, like 300 and some billion. So they don't, they don't care. They bought Monsanto for 66 billion. That was actually fair market value. They didn't get a deal, even though Monsanto was in the middle of the roundup lawsuits. Like you think they get a deal. So they must've known, which has now come to pass, Stephen. The Roundup lawsuits weren't going to go anywhere. You heard there was a settlement. Some guy got $280 million, and then there was a couple. They got uh, $80 million, right. and you multiply that. There was, there was thousands of complainants lined up, so you multiply that. Even if, even if they took two zeros off of those numbers, you know, even if they just had to pay out a couple hundred thousand dollars per cancer victim, there was thousands of them. Well, now it's coming to pass that, it ain't going to pan out the way everyone thought it would. Now, even when it looked bad for them, I said, I said, they don't care. They'll just pay out the lawsuits, just like the cigarette companies did in the 90s. Remember that? Mm. Billions of dollars. I think that was a quarter. I think that was a, a quarter of a, of a trillion. Like it was hundreds of billions of dollars they were forced, forced to pay out. And all they did, Stephen, the cigarette companies was added on to the price of a pack of cigarettes. Right. And as long as they knew they wouldn't have any outside, they all agreed to it. Like there was like nine tobacco companies. Now there's only three. As long as they all agreed to the settlement and the government protected them and, oh yeah. And, and, uh, and they were basically the collection agent for the government, basically right of their own fine that the government hit them with. They were, they recouped it through the pack of cigarettes. Well, that's what Monsanto's going to do. They would prefer not to pay out. And that's starting to look more like what's going to happen. The, those multi-million dollar settlements are sort of getting eroded, but even if they have to pay it out, they'll just add it in to the price of a gallon of Roundup. And so that, that goes hand in hand with what I just described in the meat market. All of these big players are, are using COVID to their advantage oh yeah i mean okay so does it ever i mean i feel like when you this ex thing that you just said about like roundup's relationship with the government and with the dollar you know it just seems like when there's big money big business and big government involved it our system is a complete scam on almost every level like like it's the education system because there's they, they don't want to you know stir they don't want to stir the pot you know because they're getting federal dollars and as soon as there's this regulation system, like relationships. There's people that go from lot lobbyists to office and vice versa. This happens in every industry and they just print more money and it's based on nothing. It has been for a long time. And does, am I characterizing this correctly? 
You're, you're right. They, yeah. they don't care. So yeah. if, if, if someone uh, backs into you and you get whiplash and you sue him, you're going to get whatever, like yeah. 10 grand of real money, of real money, just a, private money that because you, yeah. you, you harmed a person. And this like that, yeah. that direct law is something I totally agree with. I mean, that's biblical, yeah. but the, what they do is not that right. No, what, what they do is they go first bear goes to the money markets and says, we're going to buy Monsanto lock, stock and barrel. And the money market says, well, Monsanto is already doing, what are you going to do different? Well, I, I predicted three years ago, and now I think it's coming to pass. They were going to monopolize the roundup market and Monsanto wasn't doing that. Monsanto had lost their patent on roundup, you know, but like I said, there, there was never a patent on tobacco. <laughs> Look at those guys. There is never a patent on oil. Look at the oil companies, you know, they, they charge whatever they want, like you just described. So Bear went to them and said, we need, look, we need 66 billion. And what we're going to do differently is squeeze the farmer. Now, I mentioned a minute ago, the global roundup market right now is worth a third of a trillion dollars, 300 and some billion. Um, and they paid one fifth of that for the, yeah. the parent company. They got off of easy. That. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah, they get to just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. And, but, um, there, all target, all projections in the market are that Roundup will double over, even with this crisis, even with a large population reduction, Roundup sales are going to double. Why? Because everyone thinks, as I mentioned earlier, everyone thinks of Roundup as a weed killer. So there you are, you got your petunias and you spray them with Roundup. You, you probably don't do that, but that's what everyone thinks of. And yes, that's how Roundup began as a weed killer. It is now used for desiccation force ripening the crop and all farmers here in america are, and canada are doing that um they, they go out in the for, yeah. for, force ripening desiccation yeah. can you explain yeah. what that is i mean i yeah. it, this is affects me a little bit more because now i have a homestead now i have a like an acre oh, and a half where i have a little garden so and there's big fields around me um so yeah what's desiccation force ripening so, well, first of all, everyone knows Roundup was used on Roundup ready crops. So you yes. can have a standing crop, spray it, and your crop would just keep growing. Mm. Well, you can't desiccate a Roundup ready crop because it's resistant to Roundup. But what they're doing with um, uh, like wheat, they were going to have GMO wheat 20 years ago, and then they decided not to. So now wheat, oats, barley, none of which are roundup ready they're force ripening them with roundup when you kill a weed with roundup you're not actually killing it you're signaling the weed that it's time to go to seed so even if the weed is this big it ripens and dies right it would be like taking you right now steven and advancing you to your 85th year that's what it's doing it's advancing the the life cycle of the plant right and it does that through a number of, of means within the the biome of the plant but that's basically it's not actually killing the plant, it's hastening its life cycle. So if you spray weeds at the wrong time, you're actually gonna have a bigger problem. Farmers have known this for, for the whole, since the 1970s when Roundup came out. If you spray weeds when they're already kind of mature, it's too late to spray them with Roundup. You have to spray them with 2,4-D, the one we mentioned earlier, the, the more toxic herbicide. Because if you spray with Roundup, it just, it just goes to seed now and it'll, spew out thousands of seeds and now next year you'll have an even bigger problem so yeah so roundup is um it's used as a desiccant desiccant with that's d-e-s-i-c-c two c's if someone wants to look it up c-c-a-t-e desiccate 
And that means to dry out. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, right. so that's what you're doing. But again, you're actually hastening the demise of the crop. Yeah, it's not like the you're reason- killing it. Yeah. You, it's it's yeah. doing a different process that ends up in it, killing it and dying out, but it's not that simple. Yeah. And, and the, the benefit is that you're, you, you can have a whole field ready on a certain date. Why do you want that? Well, because fewer and fewer farmers own their own harvesting equipment. The it's called a combine or a harvester. It's the most expensive piece of equipment. Your, your harvester could be worth more than all of your seeding, spraying and cultivating equipment combined. You know, you see those really big tractors, uh, they'll be like 200 horsepower. They got like six wheels on them. Well, you, you can get one of those for like, uh, 200,000, maybe a quarter of a million, a good combine starts over a million. Wow. Yeah. So what are farmers doing? Well, rather than buy this big piece of capital and just use it for a week or two in the fall, they're using what are called custom combiners. And these are companies that go around suddenly now your crop, you're, you're, you're harvesting by the calendar, not by the season. You see, in the old days, sometimes farmers would harvest in late August. Sometimes they'd harvest in late September or early October. It depended on the season, right? Yeah. Like you, you can have, uh, you can have an early frost, you know, or a, or or a late summer, as they call Indian summer, and you just leave your crop for a few more weeks because it's it's going to be worth more every day it sits there. It's it's ripening up and getting heavier. So that's all gone now. Now you phone up the custom combine company. They come in and, and they they'll have like they'll have 20 semi trailers because each combine takes two. The header comes off and then the rest of the machine sits on there's two different trucks. They'll pull up to a field with 20 trucks. That's 10 combines. And they'll take the whole field off like in two hours. So you better have the whole field dead, right for those guys. And you know, when they're coming, so you spray big business, takes, this yeah, big business it, right here. And it takes about 14 days for that desiccation to set in. Mm. Okay. So everyone's doing this all across America. Um, Guess what market bear sees for growth potential for desiccation? Rice. How much of the world eats rice? And if you can get them hooked on this type of harvesting, then they will easily double their market share in the next five to 10 years. That's why they bought Monsanto. I don't think they even care about the GMO crops. There's so much resistance to GMOs. Like, yeah, every fast food fryer is full of GMO canola oil, but people hate canola. Like, like we just talked about and, and they're very wary of GMOs in general. There's some good ones, but I don't want to, I can explain that. That's very like a mainstream to not to yeah. reject GMOs at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you pay Monsanto 66 billion? And even when they bought it, that was three years ago. Now, those were 20 year old technologies, Roundup Ready Canola, uh, Bacillus thuringiensis corn, uh, the soy. And sometimes they stack them the, like they have corn and it's Roundup Ready and it has BT Bacillus thuringiensis in it. Uh, those are all 20 years old. So why, why did they, why would they pay 66 billion for that? Um, yeah, I I think it was for the roundup and, and, and sure enough there, if you look at the, the boring market analyst stuff that no one looks at, yeah, they're looking at a doubling in growth, but in the meantime, what are they doing, Steven? 
well, they're cutting back on Roundup production. So if, if you're a farmer right now and you need Roundup for the spring, that's where you first start using, no matter what kind of crop you're planting, they all farmers kill off the weeds in the spring, usually with Roundup. Well, guess what? There's a shortage and the prices double and you have to go in right now. They've been doing this for months. You have to go into your supply warehouse, put the money down and wait. And they're not guaranteeing that you'll even get it, but you have to put your money down. Or, or you're not in line to get it. You'll, you'll be at the end of the line and the line's just getting bigger. So yeah, yeah. Do you really think, do you really think um, all these glyphosate factories, they're all around the world, um, Roundup factories. Do you really think they, they forgot how to make Roundup? Or like, like <laughs> it's not like meat cutting. When you're meat cutting, you'll have hundreds of guys side by side cutting meat in a process. Roundup is like, it's like an oil refinery. Like, there's no one there. It's all automated. Oh, but Stephen, they, they shut down because of COVID and now Roundup costs double fertilizer costs double. And yeah, yeah, it's just a scam. Yeah. And, and stock up right now, stock up on canned goods, Stephen and dried beans, everything stock up. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's I was, I was stocking up when I was in DC, actually had to move with my whole supply and stuff. So like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, and also just being in the place I'm at is so I have so much security. Like I could walk up to any one of my neighbors, just knock on the door, the door be like, you know, do you have half a cow basically? And we could work something out. So having good friends is, is all, well, I mean, this is, I didn't ask you in, in email, but do you have any sort of like hard out like time you have to be gone to usually we go from 60 to 75 minutes. Is that? Oh no, I'm, I'm good. All yeah. right. Great. All right. Sweet. So I think we should shift over to the, the queen Freddie Mercury, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, stuff. Yeah. I'm a professional musician. You know, you wrote that article about, uh, about, you know, discussing the lyrics to the song. And you also, you linked me this other interview uh, with a with a guy we talked about it, but I didn't want to w- listen to the whole interview because I wanted to like be you know surprised or whatever by by the breakdown. But what um you know in this interview you went through the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's your argument that Bohemian Rhapsody is essentially um, well, I mean I don't know if you agree with this statement, but you know I most people I've ever talked to, including myself, thought that that song it's like that song's about suicide, about that song you know it's like a textbook you know. I, I, I literally, I don't want to die, but you're, it's your argument that it's about his conversion to being gay, <laughs> you know, essentially yeah. like it's him being groomed and, and him, his, like the dichotomy of how his worldview, like, you know, there's a lot of dichotomous or juxtaposed statements in the lyrics, but why don't we, um, talk about the lyrics and everyone in the chat right sure. now, look up the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody. Cause this is the first time we've ever, ever even done this on stream, actually like looked through the lyrics and did some, you know, lyrical analysis. So um, what are your thoughts on, you know, let's just start the conversation. Let's start right at the beginning. Basically the song is in two parts and they're inverted. Okay. But we'll start at the beginning. Cause that's where everyone, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? That's halfway through. He's already poor Freddie Mercury has already been, he's been raped mm. and he's there. He is. He's wondering, is this the real life? Is this just a fantasy caught in a landslide? No escape from reality. Yeah. He, he gave in and, uh, and he's not happy with it. And he's going to go ahead as is often the case. The victim becomes the victimizer, but let's go ahead to the, the middle of the story. Now, where is that? Um, ah, here we go. Here we go. So the real beginning, Stephen, is what, which verse is this? 
I'm just a poor boy. Yeah. Nobody loves me. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Before that, I see a silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche. That's the real beginning. What is a silhouette of a man? That's him when he's young. He's still young. He's pubescent, basically. He sees a little silhouette of a man. And Scaramouche is a, is a clown character. Okay. Okay. And so Freddie Mercury was in theater when he, before he became a rock star, before he met all the guys, you know, Brian May. And by the way, I just want to say for the record, um, uh, one of the best bands ever, like, like, Queen? Oh there, yeah. They're yeah. one of the greatest of all time. Brian yeah, May like is incredible. Yeah. Freddie Mercury was one of the greatest songwriters ever. And greatest lyricist. Yeah, lyricist I mean, great piano I mean, he player. Puts, he puts Elton John to shame. I mean, for, if you want to compare two gay uh, lyrical pianists, right? I mean, Elton John is garbage, but I like Elton John. Mm. You know, I like his yeah, yellow he's brick good. Road. I mean, Freddie Mercury's bad. Yeah. I think he was the greatest of those yeah. piano playing 70s uh, performers. Yeah. So there he is. He was in theater before he got into this, which sort of makes sense. Like, how do you, how do you get into the music scene? Well, you're going to be in some kind of artistic. So Scaramouche is an Italian uh, operatic figure that you would see in Italian operas. It's the clown with the, the thing, you know, like a joker. Mm. Um, he played the role of a Scaramouche. And then someone said, look, it's in the, it's in the third person. Will you do the Fandango? That's, that's his rapist. That's an older man in the theater troupe saying, will you do that? And the Fandango is a sort of like a sexual dance. Um, ZZ Top had a good album called Fandango. And yeah, that's, that's what Fandango is. Look at the next line, Stephen. Thunderbolt of lightning, very, very frightening. This is, as I say, this is, this is where the narrative begins. He's a young man. He's trying to, you know, get into the, the, the world of performance arts. The thunderbolt of lightning is, well, you can use your imagination. Sex act, yeah. Yep. yep. And what does he do right away? He cries out, Galileo, Galileo. That's Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. When you said that, that, I, that's when I, okay. So I turned the interview off after about a couple minutes after this. Cause I was like, that's very interesting, but I want to be like, I want to be surprised by the stuff. But so like Galileo as, as in Galilee. As opposed yeah. to Galileo, the the you know philosopher scientist, right? Right, right. Wow. Why would he cry out to Galileo, the guy who they say invented the telescope, but he didn't? But anyway, and yeah, why would he cry out? It makes no sense. Even if you don't know what that this horrible thing has happened, why would you know? Like like you said, it's a song about suicide. Why would you cry out to a scientist, mm. <laughs> right? So Jesus, a lot of people say, well, Jesus was a Jew. No, no, he was not a Jew. He was a Galilean or the Nazarene um, or the son of God, of course. Right. And the Messiah. But yeah, he's the Galilean. Yeah. Okay, man. Okay. This is very interesting. Cause I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think we have the time to talk about this next question today, but yeah. put it, let's put a bookmark in it. And I'll, I want to get you back on like, you know, six months, four months or something like that. But you're saying like we have done many streams on the idea of what the, the word Jew means, what a Jew is and how there's so much confused confusion surrounding it. But you're, again, you're making the claim that G Jesus was not a Jew, but Jesus was from the tribe of Judea, right? Right. Right. And, okay. and it's a huge assumption that the term Jew comes from the tribe of Judah, oh. which was a very powerful tribe, but that, that would be like, um, that would be like a Canadian saying, well, yeah, I'm American because I live in America. 
Mm. Like there are 12 tribes, tribe of Benjamin. And they are um, all Jews. The, all, yeah, all the 12 well, they're tribes all, of the Jews. They're, they're Israelites. Right? Israelites. Yeah. Okay. And we can get to where the, the, the name Jew came from. Right. But let's say it came from the tribe of Judah. Okay. No other Israelite from the other 11 tribes, especially the Levites, because they're the most powerful. Right. If you do a sacrifice and it's not a Levite, you have to kill the person who did the yep. sacrifice. Yep. Can you imagine the Levites saying, ah, heck, let's just all become Judeans. It wouldn't like happen. I said that, would yeah, they happen. would never, you have 11 tribes, each of them, it's called the nation of Israel from Jacob, whose name got changed to Israel when he wrestled the angel. Um, it's called the name, but each tribe is a nation unto itself. And then the question becomes, well, where are these tribes? Well, it says twice in the Bible that they've gone abroad by the time Jesus is there. The diaspora. Yeah, we th we know there was a diaspora yeah. after the destruction of the temple. Oh, before but, that, you're right. It does well, say yeah, that. And before that, there was a diaspora when King Nebuchadnezzar invaded and, and they got taken into captivity in Babylon. And But before that, there were Israelites already leaving because their tribe, their, their, their whole Israelite nation was becoming infiltrated by imposters those imposters are the Jews, and they are the Edomites descended from Esau. So the Jews are Edom, huh? Edom, wow. Which, yeah, the nation and, of Esau. And, yeah, and the rejected Esau, brother, essentially. Yeah, the, the yes. yeah, wow. Jacob's, Jacob's half brother, by the way. I mean, they have nothing in common. They're, they're two different types of people. They're they're half brothers the same way Cain and Abel were half brothers. Um, that you know, Satan got in there, and um, and and you get. You, you, you can have twins that have different fathers. Mm. It's rare, but yeah. What anyway, the? that's okay. All right. So yeah, this now, will now be King, the, this, yeah. we, let's, let's go on with the Freddie Mercury stuff. Cause I mean, sure, this is, sure. we could spend hours. I mean, people have wrote, written thousands of books on this subject. So next time you come on, this will be the su subject of the discussion. We can yeah. totally take our time with it, but let's go back to, uh, <laughs> back to what's it called to Bohemian Rhapsody. So yeah, Galileo Rhapsody. in your, and now this is just to be fair and clear. Cause people are, I had some questions, but th this is your analysis. You weren't yeah. told this by anybody. And as far as you know, yeah. Freddie Mercury never described, never said these things, he, but he never really said anything about what the song meant, right? Like one right. side or the other, correct? Yeah. And in, yeah. in fact, um, Brian May said more about this song, even when Freddie Mercury was still alive. And Brian May threw out like the idea, like you said, oh, I, he said, I, I think it's like a, a, a cry for help, like right. a suicide yeah. cry. It, it sort of is, but you need to understand why. Uh, he regrets, Freddie Mercury regrets what he did, and he, he kept on doing it. I mean, he, he, it's interesting, when he wrote this, Stephen, he had a girlfriend. We would call it his wife because um, they were monogamous. They, you know, but then he becomes a rock star and get, goes on the road and all that. Maybe, maybe that's why it fell apart. But then he only becomes um, a homosexual later. And I think he's remembering this from his youth. Um, I've, I'm really firmly of the belief that um, all, especially male homosexuals, were abused. And that's why the, the victim becomes the victimizer, as we're going to see in, in the narrative here. Uh, but, but first he's still just a, he's a young boy. So after you get past Jesus, Galileo, um, you get to, I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's, he's feeling sorry for himself. And the band responds. He's just a poor boy. Spare his, this is the key, Stephen. 
The band says this, spare his life from this monstrosity. What's the monstrosity? It's the elderly man that seduced him. It's, he, he's a monster, right? Now, now then, um, uh, Freddie starts, he's, he's negotiating. Now, we're still in the first half. He's, he's not a rock star yet, okay? He's still a victim. He says, easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? Like he, he wants Satan to let him go. This, this beast of a man, this monstrosity has introduced him to this world of sodomy. And he, he's struggling. And he says, Bismallah, Bismallah. Will you let, will you let me go? And the band says, will you let him go? And there's that back and forth. What is Bismallah? That's the, um, that's the, the God. Uh, that's, that's the devil. That's the devil, basically, in Zoroastrianism. Oh, Freddie which Mercury he was, was raised as, right? He, yeah, he was Zoroastrian. Oh, and it's wow. amazing that Zoroastrianism survived because, of course, when Islam took off in the 7th century, they killed most of the Persian Zoroastrians and forced them to convert. So anyway, there he is in London as a young boy, in, probably in the 60s. And yeah, he's crying out. First, he cried out to Jesus. And you might think, well, why would a Zoroastrian cry out to Jesus? Um, well, don't forget the three wise men. Who were the three wise men? Well, one of them was a Persian. One was, they say, a, a black Afro-American, right? And so, yeah, the, the three wise men come to see the Messiah. He's the Messiah for the whole world, including the Persians, including the Zoroastrians. So this is in Freddie Mercury's psyche, having grown up. It's very important that um, we're told Muslims hate Christians, well, yeah, but the, the Quran says Jesus was a great prophet. Now, some Christians consider that blasphemy because he was God. He yeah. is God. Right. Well, calling Jesus a great prophet is better than saying he's boiling an excrement in hell, which is what the Jews say in the Talmud. Yeah. So I'll take the Muslims and the Zoroastrians any day for a neighbor. Mm. <laughs> and there's a lot of good Jews, too. But the Talmud is is just diametric. It's antichrist. Whereas the Zoroastrians, well, that's, that's why he cries out to Jesus. But here he's, he's, he's crying out against Bismala, the Zoroastrian uh, devil. And yeah, then, then he switches to the, 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 the Christian name, Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, he's back and forth between his Zoroastrian roots and Christianity. But again, there's already centuries of overlap in those two religions, but he's growing up in London. So there's probably an Anglican church on the corner and all that. And he hears all this stuff about Christianity. He would have received it just through the, the culture. And, and, and he says, yeah, Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me. He's given in now he's done struggling. Right. And uh, then we get to this, this verse. Um, so you think you can stone me and spit in my eye. Now, now he's complaining about that man who raped him. He, he's now, you know, like a jilted lover, right? And, um, but before we get to the last verse where, where they go, nothing really matters. We have to go back to the beginning. Right. And what does he say? So after, right after um, saying, so you think you can love me and spit in my eye. So can I, can I ask a question? Yeah, so yeah. it's you, you, just to not sum up, but it's your argument that, this, the, the, the narrative starts in the middle of the song at yeah. that one part. And then, and yeah. like, and, and that's a common, you know, writing tool or whatever is to not have it be 
in order and it has have some sort of twist that it, you're not even telling the audience. I mean, some people can yeah. figure it out, but th- so, okay. That's what you're saying. Right. Yes. And, and he could sing this every night on tour and it would be right from his heart, but no one would know what he was saying that he was raped by an older man, a monstrosity. And then here he's about to turn from victim to the victimizer. So first he com- like we just left off. He's complaining about that old man, right? You, you think you can just love me and spit in my eye. And then now he's settled down and we go back to what looks like the beginning of the song. And he says, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy caught in a landslide? Yeah. That old man is gone. The, the theater troupe moved on. No escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the sky and see, it's almost like he's, he's now, he's now going to join in and he's, he's trying to make this, um, this evil lifestyle seem kind of holy, right? Um, look up to the sky and see, I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Okay. Now we're going to jump to the next verse that starts with mama, mama, mama just killed a man, put a gun against. Now he's victimizing just like he got, it could be a year, could be 10 years later. We, we don't know how much time has transpired, but he says, just killed a man. He just did to some young man, what the monstrosity did to him put a gun against his head, pulled my trigger. It's not so a he's gun. talking about himself here. Yep. It's, about it's his, not, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a gun. It's a metaphor. Pulled the trigger. Yeah. Now, now he's dead. That young boy, unless he pulls out of it, which Freddie Mercury didn't pull out of it. Um, that boy is, he's walking dead now. Uh, life had just begun, but now I've gone and thrown it all away. See, people think he's talking about his life. Well, he's talking, he's thrown that young boy. I guess he's thrown his life away too. Like there's no going back. Cause now. it's a cycle, right? I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's always both and it's all three. And it's the guy that you know, abused Freddie Mercury. And it's like that person probably, and it's just a cycle. Yep. Yep. And, and, and it sort of happens in heterosexual circles as well. Like, uh, um, they say girls born to a single mom, uh, they're like 70% chance they're going to end up as single moms. If they're even moms at all, uh, girls whose moms are prostitutes are like very likely to become prostitutes. So you, you see the, the cycle in, in there, but it's, it really is. I firmly believe this is the, the root of all homosexual be, behavior with, yeah, with men. Because yeah. what makes a man like they say, Oh, you're born gay. You know, the Pope says that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Cause if, if you believe in, whether you believe in evolution or creation, it makes no sense. None either way. Right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, how can you be born to think, well, that's what I want. Not what is obvious that every, every bird and bee and, and monkey and gorilla, what do they all, they all want sex with the opposite sex. Oh, and and Steven, and they try to say there's examples of gay animals. There are none. Mm. Um, I grew up on a farm, you separate the heifers from the steers and yeah, the steers will start humping each other, but they'll, they'll hump a fence post, you know, mm. they, they're not gay. <laughs> they're just bored and they don't know what to do. <laughs> it's just like when the dog humps your leg, he doesn't love you. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> look, look at this. He's crying out to his mom and what does he do? He's got to separate himself from her. Right. Mm. Um, if I'm not back this time tomorrow, carry on, carry on as if nothing really matters. He's going all in now. He's going all in because there's great rewards. Isn't there Steven? 
if, if you're doing this with the right person above you, like a, Oh, I don't know, a director or a mm-hmm. producer, some sort of, yeah. Gr- <laughs> yeah. But he can't, he can't go back to face his own family. It sends shivers down my spine, bodies aching all the time. That's a real hint there. What, what happens to homosexuals? They, they develop AIDS, which Fauci told us is a contagious disease. No, it's a lifestyle. You're up late, you're partying, you have multiple sexual partners. And yeah, your body starts to ache. Those mm-hmm. are the early symptoms of what we call AIDS. Right. And uh, yeah, so there he is. And, and once again, he says, goodbye, everybody. Right. Because when you go down this path, just like if in the heterosexual world, when a young girl becomes a hooker, she's not coming home for Christmas dinner, is she? Yeah, that, that's what's happened. He's got a break with the old because he had a very tight knit family. Again, Zoroastrian family wow. living in, in England. And yeah. And uh, and he's got to get away. He's, he's got to get away from it. And now we're coming up to where we started. Right. So one last time he says, Mama. I, I don't want to die. Wish I'd never been born at all. And then we go into the beginning of the song. Just not just the lyrics, Stephen, but the way the music is when it, it takes a little pause there after he cries out to his mom. Mm-hmm. And then it starts out with this do, do, yeah. do, do. I'm just a little silhouette of a man, Scaramouche. And that's, that's youthful. That's him back when he was 13, 14 years old. You see it yeah, now? I do. Yeah. I do. And the music. Yeah. That's youth. It. And then like, it's like the song does start more like a bridge where it's like, it dies down to a certain yep. point, but yeah. Wow. That's very, that the musical aspect, that's very interesting. Now we jump finally to the very last verse. He's already said this basically nothing really matters. Anyone can see nothing really matters. Nothing really matters to me. He's that's what you have to believe. Isn't it? If you're going to do, yeah, that's a nihilistic. Yeah. In order to like fully embrace sin, you have to feel, you have to think that nothing matters. Yep. Mm. And you're at a party and someone hands you uh, a pill, you know, and you're like, sure. Yeah. Pop it, wash it down with red wine. And why not? You know, we're all, we're all part of the same record label here. So I trust that guy (laughs) from whatever band and yeah, that's what they would do. Right. And, and remember it was such a big deal when, um, the lead singer of Judas Priest came out as gay. I don't, mm. I don't know if you remember that. I mean, I was very young, but I, I mean, I know yeah. rock history. So I know that it was, you know, decades went by before. And, yeah. and one question that, so, I mean, I, obviously I was born in 88, so I, I wasn't around for any of Queen, right? Really. But uh, did people not know he was gay at their, at their height? Did, they, did people I don't, think he was straight? I, yeah. I don't wow. think they knew he was gay until he was dying. Then it came wow. out. Yeah. Then it came out because, uh, you know, it was it's uh, AIDS is basically a gay disease as much as they tried to say, like, yeah. again, before you were born, they were predicting everyone's going to get AIDS just like COVID. Yeah. Right. It's highly contagious. And you, you, you could touch a doorknob and then rub your eye and you'll, you'll get AIDS. And, and, and just think of this, Stephen. They say, what causes AIDS? HIV. What does HIV stand for? Human immunovirus. Every virus, every virus is food immuno. Can, yeah, certain foods can be immuno compromising. Yeah. Yeah. It, they gave it a generic a day, name. Know. Yeah. Because they, they were, they were trying to pin it on a virus and they named the virus. It's like, I say, uh, I have a car. What kind of car? 
driving down the street car. That's <laughs> yeah. what, you know, you know, those cars that right. drive down the street. Yeah. yeah. It's him. Human immunovirus. It's meaningless. It's a meaningless identifier. So yeah. Anyway, AIDS, wow. I firmly believe is a lifestyle disease. And I, I mentioned the singer from Judas priest. I think if you were at a party, to answer your question, I don't think anyone knew Freddie Mercury was gay until he was dying. No one knew uh, David Bowie uh, had had sex with uh, Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones, even though they, they were like both bisexual, not really full gay. No one knew any of that until much, much later. Wow. But I think if you had gone to a rock party, like a, a, a label party, like Columbia Records in the 70s, I think half the room would have engaged in sodomistic sex with members of the, I think they, Jeez. it was, yeah. So when, so when the singer from Judas Priest came out, that was, that, that was somewhat more shocking than when Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury was already dead by the time the, I forget his name, the, the singer from Judas Priest um, yeah. in the nineties, I think it was, um, that was more shocking because he was in a heavy metal band, whereas Freddie Mercury was more operatic. In, in his vocals right yeah, and, and that's be it, it, it didn't really affect their ticket sales and it was in the 90s when that dude came out what's his name oh, yeah the judas Priest. Yeah, I, I, I forget his name but you're right it didn't affect their tickets they filled concert halls it was it was like nothing all the the bikers just said oh well <laughs> my favorite rock band singer is gay but again he, <laughs> some, something must have happened to him whatever mm. his name is but my, my point is i think it was common it was totally common that if you were like, like they say now with rap music, you can have one or two successful albums and then they give you the, the choice. You go yep. through door A or door B yes. and door A is, yeah, yeah you're, getting, you're getting plowed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, and, and if, that's, you do, if you yeah. don't do it, then nice. You know, there's all these one hit wonders and the one wow. hit wonders, Stephen, they go back to the fifties and sixties, don't they? Right. You know, you're like, who's that you, the song you you've heard. You can't even name the band, but the song is popular. Well, it's because they took door B back in the sixties. And I believe that, yeah, to answer your question, I, I think half of them, even if they're not really gay, they would engage in like David Bowie and Mick Jagger did. I mean, there's two guys who've had more women than you could shake a stick at, but yeah, wasn't enough. They, there wasn't, they, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they gave it the old college try, didn't they? And <laughs> Yeah, wow. I think it was common, Stephen. I yeah. think it was totally common back then, but no one knew about it. Wow, that's. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how how old are you? I'm 54. 54. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, all right. Yeah. yeah I mean, born in 67. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I'm I'm a student of history of music history. I mean, I always have been, and but I, I you know, for my 20s or like I guess my like late teens, early 20s, it was all mainstream history, and they don't mention that like. Jimmy Page was a Satanist or like they don't mention they just it's just about their tour and like yeah they talk about girls they talk about drugs and rock and roll but they don't get into the real CD that was just like everyone's a sodomite it's basically like that's that's like you know if you to make it in mainstream biz it's you have to get you have to have some skeletons in your closet and they they set it up like that right yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you have to uh, like like this whole thing with Harvey Weinstein like, give me a break. I don't care if Harvey Weinstein dies in jail, but all those women knew what they were doing. All of them lined up. They wanted to get ahead in their career. They could have gone and gotten real jobs like my wife and my mom have, you know, instead they wanted fame and fortune. The sad part is 
uh, everyone talks about Harvey Weinstein, like, like as if he, you know, was an actual rapist, like Jeffrey Epstein, that's a pedophile rapist. Harvey Weinstein was just, a uh, he was just a serial, uh, womanizer and no one talks about all the boys and men in Hollywood. Right. I mean, never mind some girl who it's, it's horrible, but she spreads her legs and has sex with a ugly ogre like Harvey Weinstein. It must be disgusting, but they're, they were all rewarded for it. Like, uh, uh, um, uh, Brad, Brad Pitt's ex-wife. What's her name? Anyway, uh, from what's her name? Uh, Angelina Jolie or yeah, Angelina Jolie was one of them, but, but they kept their mouth shut. Didn't they? They didn't join in the me too movement because they were still being rewarded. Well, and that's all anyone talks about. What about, um, uh, what, what about all the boys, the young boys and like Brad Pitt, I just mentioned that Angelina Jolie's former husband, yeah, what did they all have to do to get into Hollywood? Again, you you might do one or two movies where you have a B part or something, and eventually hey, it looks though, you get, yeah, you get yep. like sat down. And I think that there's some really creepy footage of uh, Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. when he was a yeah. child actor, and the way that the the director and him are looking at each other, and that director has gone on to have been proven to be basically a pederast. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it just seems like in this you know, satanic materialist system to make it to the top is to be sat down at some point. Like, do, yep. you, do you buy, like, I don't know, like who are some actors or musicians that seem that get, get at least touted out as being closer to what you call like right wing or, or what, like Keanu Reeves. I mean, he's a guy that talk about that. He's actually a good guy. These are all in quotations, you know, like yep. actually a good guy gives to the yep. poor is, is awake on certain, you know, red pilled issues. Like, do you think that that's, do you think anyone can squeeze through and be a good person? It almost, I almost think of it like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah where Abraham talks to God. He's like, if, if there's 40 left, he, he's kind of like negotiating God yeah. down to 10. Yeah. Like, can there, can there be good people in Hollywood or big music in this current, in this day and age? It'd be very rare. Mm. It'd be very rare. Uh, but Keanu Reeves was part of a, a group of young boys that included, river phoenix oh no and remember he killed yeah. himself and he was he was he was he was going to be bigger than keanu reeves he was he was going to be bigger than leonardo dicaprio river phoenix if you see any of his work before he killed himself he was he was really amazing yeah. and he killed him why would he kill himself i i think we've answered it it was sodomy it was the the prospect of well if i continue with this it, it's not like it's not like you unlock a door and then you're in, you got to keep unlocking the door. You know what I mean? You got to keep paying the piper right. and river Phoenix couldn't handle it. Keanu Reeves could, but he's now at a point in his career and probably has been for the last 20 years. Keanu Reeves is beyond that. Now, hmm. if some producer comes knocking and says, you know, he, w- he wants something, Keanu will tell him get lost. Cause he's big enough now, just like Brad Pitt is big enough. But to answer your question, it's ironic that we just mentioned Angelina Jolie, I can't prove she had sex with Harvey Weinstein because she never came out and said she did like those other girls did. But I'm sure Angelina Jolie paid the piper. Um, Her dad, her dad, I think, is an example of someone in Hollywood. He always has the sort of conservative role, like in the Transformers movie. What's his name? Um, But but he's he's, he's an older guy, obviously, because he's her dad. And uh, yeah, I think he, I think going back, he was in, he was in the, the movie that made him famous was deliverance. 
Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that where I they have. go up, they go on the canoe trip and there's the banjo guys with John no Voight. teeth. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. John Voight. And that was also where, um, 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 Robert Redford got his start. He had sort of a B part in that movie and John Voight was the lead. Cause he ends up, we'll give it away. Spoiler alert. John Voight is the one he ends up killing the, the, the hillbilly with a bow and arrow at the end. So they can all escape because the, the hillbillies are, what are the hillbillies doing? They're sodomizing right. these city boys. It's a kind of a disgusting movie, but yeah, yeah I think John Voight to answer your question and maybe a few others. Who's the probably, other guy? That's like a big Trump guy. Uh, uh, James Woods. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't know, but, but he was, it's just when they were, when they have like these 50 year careers, I'm like, man, there's something, what did you have to do to who like in the, cause the, you know, it's, it's kind of naive, but you know, one, one could think that like the fifties and sixties were cleaner. I mean, I think in yeah. some ways they weren't in some ways we're kind of victims of, we have information always available to us. So we know about more now, but you know, at least when you're a kid, you think, Oh yeah, people were more innocent in the fifties, sixties. Cause it was more innocent. It was more, but all this stuff has always been going on. Right. It's always been going on right back to the theater or the vaudeville. Um, uh, like a lot, a lot of these families that have, uh, like, um, families that are like three, four generations in Hollywood, they all came from vaudeville and it was the same thing back then when it was stage, when it was theater, it was, you, you had to pay the piper, but still, yeah, you, you mentioned James Woods. I just look at him and I, I don't want to believe he had to, as we're using this, <laughs> yeah, I, do, you don't I want don't want to believe yeah. he paid the piper, right. him and John Voight and, 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 and Clint Eastwood. I, I just want to believe they were so talented and had such a persona and they probably did, but I bet you now that's impossible. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll give you a screen test and they'll say, great kid, Dory, Dorby. Yeah. Something <laughs> has changed in the last 20 years. Yeah. So something has changed where it has gotten more, more corrupt. And I, I it, that's not to say there wasn't corruption and sin around back there. There's always been corruption and sin, but something changed in the last 20 years. I mean, it, it, but like, of course, history is a lead up to it. Uh, but it, something is there's more swear. There's more flesh everywhere. There's more there's more swearing everything. Yeah. It's just assumed everyone's having sex out of wet, a wedlock. Uh it, it's just corrupt. I mean, it, especially like since maybe Obama second term, the gay marriage mm-hmm. thing, the yeah. trans thing. Uh, it's just one big like gay operation <laughs> to me. It like it seems that way, right? It, it is. And again, it always was, but now it's more overt. Yes. And ironically, what are they doing as well? It's more accepted. It's just more yeah. mainstream. It's, it's been normalized, right? Yeah. That to where um, parents when they drop their kids off at Nickelodeon or Disney studios, they kind of know that my kid isn't that talented, you know, like look at Judy Garland from the wizard of Oz and uh, Shirley temple. They all, they were all raped back when they were like six years old. They all got their start. Judy, Judy Garland started on the stage. Uh, Shirley temple hits the screen. She's like, I think she's like three years old. And um, at some point they, they were all, uh, all of them were all abused. So it goes way back, but yeah. And um, I I think again, what are they doing now? We see again, Harvey Weinstein. That's a cover up. That's a false flag. I don't care about him. Or a Patsy. Yeah. Fall guy, you know, but, but yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. You got, they got to throw one to the wolves and even him. It's like most people, 
it makes sense that like why were there there was all these girls and like four of them spoke up and you know it, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, it just seems like too 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 good to be true. Or like whenever the mainstream picks it up, picks something up and runs with it when there's all these other things, it's usually distraction or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Just like uh Steven, just like Governor Cuomo. I mean, yes. I don't care. I don't 100%. care if he I don't care if he touched some woman's elbow or breast. He murdered. He murdered, they say, fifteen thousand old people. A lot of people don't realize that um Trump put the U- U.S. Navy hospital ship in a New York port. It sat empty. City of New York set up hospital tents. They sat empty. And then um, Franklin Graham from Samaritan's Purse, that's Billy Graham's son, yeah. he set up a few hundred tents. It all sat empty. And what did Cuomo do? He had an order. If an old person came in the hospital and was diagnosed with COVID, even if that old person had been living at home and was brought in, they were sent to a nursing home to be cared for. And you see what I mean? It's one thing if you came from the nursing home and, and they're like, ah, they're overwhelmed at the hospital, which they never were, but it would be one thing to send a nursing home patient back to the nursing home. But they were sending elderly people who were still living at home, sending them to nursing homes. And yeah, 15,000 New Yorkers that died. Is, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, and he's yeah, not going to be prosecuted on, for that. They've already like kind of dropped the charges, yeah. 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 First they dropped the sexual harassment charges and now, yeah, they, they dropped, they took away his money for the book deal. I heard 800,000. It's nothing to a Cuomo, right? I mean, that's, that's like, these are like actually made men. They're made men in like the mafia of politics. Yeah. 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 Chris got fired, but I mean, I don't know if he'll, if he'll be back or whatever, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, these fall guys, I mean, even Epstein, even though Epstein was like a pedophile rapist, there's many out there. I mean, people don't even barely, people don't even know Jimmy Savile's name. I mean, a lot of people yes. don't like my, my crowd does, but that, that was a mainstream, you know, friend of the queen. Yep. And he was doing stuff with like dead kids. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned Led Zeppelin, yeah. uh, Jimmy Page, and Jimmy Savile. Right. They all go right back to Crowley, you know, the Beast. Crowley's nickname was the Beast. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's all that all that incestuous sodomite royal family rock star. Why? Why is the Queen handing out knighthoods to? We mentioned Elton John earlier, and now uh, 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 Paul McCartney. Why is she giving knighthoods to rock stars? And the excuse is, well, they brought, you know, they brought money into the treasury, and and they <sighs> they put they put English English music on the global stage. It's rock and roll. It's it's just like pop music. A knighthood? A knighthood is for a hero. Well, she's giving knighthoods out because that's that's their little incestuous sodomite crime ring. And yeah, the they um, whatever they did with each other is irrelevant because I don't care what what the, they did. But they they murdered children. They raped and murdered children, and it goes right up through the royal family. And you, you know, Jimmy Savile, he's and they only found out after he died. It's just so so amazing. Wow. So sad. Well, I mean, we're going to let you go pretty soon, but one more question. I lo- and I'd also love to get you back on in like springtime to talk about this, because the, 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 the Jewish thing, the definition of a Jew and like, that whole biblical history is something that I'm fascinated with. And, yeah. you know, we'll touch on whatever you want. But like a question that I always ask people whenever we get into the um, you know, discussion about art and especially corruption and art is like, 
do you listen to did you ever like Led Zeppelin and do you still listen and listen to them and is you deciding yeah. not to or to do that have anything to do with what you what you because it's hard for me I mean knowing like that my yeah. old heroes are you know yeah. getting what I, you know so so what's your take on this whole I mean it's a big it's separating the art from the artist and from the behavior but what's yeah. your what's yeah. your take on this well my take is I heard uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page had a falling out which is quite normal in rock bands isn't it uh, the Beatles all hated each other, and but um, they had a falling out. And I heard it's because Robert Plant was sick and tired of the Satanism. Mm. That's what I heard. That Robert Plant, ironically, who had his more than his fair share of women, you know, the the groupies that I'm sure followed them around. Um, see, Jimmy Page though was a little different. He shared a girlfriend with David Bowie. She was 13, and Jimmy Page had her first. And he would take her on the road with him and keep her full up with drugs. Um, and then he, he had her for like three or four years and then handed her off to David Bowie. Um, but in any case, yeah, Robert Plant, okay, probably had, he fornicated. He had sex with women, not 13-year-old girls. And so I'll carve that out. And then when I heard they had this falling out, I mean, obviously they broke up years ago, but, uh, you know, they would occasionally get, do some sort of reunion. Right. Um, I, I heard that even though they did a reunion since the falling out, Jim, uh, Robert Plant was sick and tired of this garbage. As you know, Jimmy Page bought Crowley's mansion, right. which whoever it belonged to before that, it was apparently a satanic mansion. And um, yeah, anyway, that's what I heard. And, and we have to remember also the memory of, one of the greatest drummers ever, yeah. the, the drummer for Led Zeppelin. Right. I, I, I heard again, he, he fornicated. And yes. guess what, Stephen? Uh, I too had sex before I got married. We've, we've all done things. But I, I believe that that drummer, Bonham, that he was, a, he was a good man other than that, that he didn't. It's when you have sex with minors. And one last thing on that, what did, what did uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg want? I mean, besides upholding uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, abortion on demand. Mm. She wanted to lower the age of consent to 12. Yeah. So your point is there's heroes out there here now that are mainstream that people like gloss over. I mean, there's, there, that is a hero of the left, you know, uh, yeah. baby, like a responsible for a bunch of baby murders as well as the, you know, wanting to get the, get her Nambla on or whatever, you know, trying to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. so what if, and that's where yeah. we draw the line, I think, to answer mm. your question with mm. Led Zeppelin, it's like, Jimmy Page was a pedophile, still right. is probably. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Amazing. Well, awesome. We get get you back on in a couple months, something like that. But yeah, how do you like? How do we reach you? I mean, do you want to like? Is there any stuff you want to plug or promote? Like uh, a place you can direct people to your work online? But I don't know what you want to promote. So yeah, I don't. I don't promote anything. I got a book coming out, and it's going to be on what you and I touched upon: mm -hmm. the Jews and the Israelites. Cool. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's going to include that. It's actually, Stephen, going to be the history of gunpowder. And we're told, this will be brief, we're told gunpowder wasn't discovered until the Chinese got it in the 12th or 13th century. No, that's how they brought down the walls of Jericho with gunpowder. So in 1400 BC, the Israelites had gunpowder. Gideon, Gideon used gunpowder against the Amalekites with his, it's called flaming lamps, right? And he only took 300 men with him. Um, and, and then one other example is in Judges 4 and 5, a guy by the name of Barak, Barak, 
uses gunpowder. It's, it's unmistakable. This is all going to be in the book. And uh, so it's, and, but within that story, the Israelites have access to aerial nitrogen. That's where we get nitrogen fertilizer from and gunpowder today. We get it from the earth's atmosphere. They were doing that 3000 years ago. It's when their tribes became infiltrated by the Edomites that you mentioned, and also the the, the, the Kenites and the Canaanites um, and Amalekites. The Amalekite is the grandson of Esau. His name was Amalek. Mm-hmm. And so even though we know that Esau's offspring became the Edomites, his grandson, for some reason in the Bible, gets, gets his own mention. And he's, right. he gives right. Those are the true enemies of the Israelites. Well, those are the Jews. The Edomites, Amalekites, Canaanites, and Kenites those became the Jews and they didn't know how to get nitrogen from the earth's atmosphere. So where did they get it? They got it from feces. That's where you get, that's the only other source from ship. And, and that lasted all the way through the the middle ages. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. I mean, that, that blew my, I mean, I'd never heard about that, about the Gideon story or the, I mean, this is cool. So you're writing When's the book coming out? I'm hoping in the next four months by spring, I got to convince, convince my wife to help proofread it. Um, (laughs) Cool. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, the the, the last point on that, because a lot of people might think this is sacrilege to say that the Israelites use gunpowder. Who did the Israelite spies go to see in Jericho? uh, What's her name? Rahab. Rahab. Rahab, Thank you. Mm -hmm. And she's a prostitute. And Stephen, where does she live? inside the walls the walls of jericho were so big that people lived in them well if you were going to go yeah if you were going to send spies in to plant explosives so that when you came in you know a few weeks later and they march around the city and blow the trumpets and all that and the trumpet is the signal to light the fuse um yeah that's that's where you would go (laughs) you'd go you'd find someone on the inside and you'd befriend that and that's what they did and so wow. that's how they plant. That's how they plant the gunpowder under the awesome. walls of Jericho. So yeah, yeah, I mean, like, let's get you back on and kind of coincide yeah. it with like the, the launch of your book. You know, I'll buy a copy. You'll try to sell some copy. That is fascinating. So because because my crowd, it's kind of small, but they're into this kind of biblical history, technology, you know, conspiracy realm, and that's that's awesome. This is really yeah. cool stuff. So oh yeah, we'll have fun. You'll, yeah. you'll like it, Stephen. Yeah, Fantastic. Like it. Well, great talk. Wait, great talking. Wait, to you. wait. And one more thing. You, you said your crowd is small. It doesn't matter if you're telling the truth and you tell one person, the truth just goes, you know, ah, yeah, it'd be nice if you had, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, if, if you know, wow. I'll, I'll, I'll come on your show. Even if you lose subscribers, Great. as long as uh, I love to yeah. hear that. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. The same thing. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to send you, this will be a podcast and also an individual video. So I'll send you the links to that if you want to watch it and stuff, but okay. great talking to you as always. Okay. Yeah. God bless you too. God bless Steve. you. All right. Take, take care. care. Now. All right. Bye-bye. Awesome. Awesome guest. That was so cool. Misha Popoff popping off at the jaw. Fantastic stuff. This will be an episode of Call Me Ignorant in a couple days. A couple weeks going forward. Great chat. Love it. I love it. 